Last time I stood before you was September 11th, 2011. I remember that day because it was a day that I shared with you about what happened on July of 2011, where the Holy Spirit had fallen down and my chest was on fire. My doctors have received a negative blood report on myasthenia gravis. I quit taking my medicine, and to this day, I'm still off my medicine. Have I had issues? I've prayed, and and Satan has come after me several times and made me worry left and right, which we're going to talk about that today, which is a sin. But we're going to talk about that just a little bit. But have I have I worried a little bit? Absolutely. Even a week or a month ago, I don't know, three weeks ago, something like that, uh, I was struggling with. I was worried about my eyes. I was just worried about them. So I went to the eye doctor, and uh, from there I went to another doctor just to make sure and get everything checked. And they told me, man, you have a major sinus infection. You know, Dr. Joe preached on the thorn in your flesh, right? And uh, how sometimes God doesn't take it away so that in our weakness we will glorify his name. So I stand before you today, still, no medicine, just letting God every day be my healer and my redeemer. Now today we're going to have some fun. Um, I'm going to share with you really what God has taught me over the last year. And it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard uh, because it's a lot. I've got, I thought I had over 40 verses. I only have over 30, so don't worry. Uh, we'll get through it. But as I go through today, I'm going to ask you to write some stuff down. As you write it down, then go home and verify that I was being truthful to you, but we really don't have time to flip to every passage. So if you've ever taken notes, uh, you need to today. And I know you're like, man, uh, really? Like, I got to, yes, please take notes, because you're going to go home and say, okay, this was a lot of stuff, and, and I want you to have action from here. I don't want this just to be a, a, win, a Sunday morning, excuse me. I don't want it just to be a Sunday morning. I want it to be a day where God moves in your heart. You go home and you place into action what God has taught you and showed you. As we get started today, um, I just, I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit has just pressed on my heart uh, just to say thank you and to even recognize if you are a youth leader in this room, I want you to stand up. If you're a youth leader in this room, most of them are in the back. They're back row Baptists, aren't they? Let's see, several right there and some in the back. I want y'all just to, to thank them when y'all leave this place today. Y'all can be seated. You know, today I'm, I, I, I've started to allow in the past year the Holy Spirit just to speak as I speak. And what I mean by that, and some of these people say, well, what happened before that? I was letting the Holy Spirit move and speak, but I'm telling you, if the Spirit tells me to stop in the middle of it, we're going to stop and we're going to pray. If the Holy Spirit tells me that we need to go in this direction, we're going to go that direction. My communion with my dad is continual even during this time that we pray here and the time that we speak and the time that that I go forth because it is not about me. So if you want to know what my sermon's on, I'll tell you at the end because I really don't know where the Holy Spirit's taken us completely. I have incredible insight on what he showed me, and we're going to go that direction, but Holy Spirit, you are free to roam. You are free to take me wherever you plan. Set me down and move. As I always start, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
This is my life verse. Verse 4 and 5. My message and my preaching are not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power, so that your faith may not rest on the wisdom of man, but yet on the power of God. That is my heart. That is my life's cry is for the Holy Spirit to move through me that you will have a foundation on the Word of God, not a foundation on man. And that is what we teach students every Wednesday night and every chance we have an opportunity. I recognize those people in the back, the the youth leaders in the back are all over the room because they are an intricate part of building a foundation on the Word of God. Why? Because they have emptied themselves and allowed the Holy Spirit to flow through them and use them for the kingdom of God, especially in the lives of students. So today, as I come before you to teach, what I'm actually going to teach y'all is what we've been teaching the students all along. So could this be a Wednesday night service message? Yeah, it's really three of them all together, so it might take a little while. That's okay, right? Today I'm going to be teaching you what I've been expressing to my students in my life this past year. So as we dive into the scripture, as we go forward, this is what I want you to get to. Is your faith, does your faith line up with your actions? Does your faith line up with your actions? How many of y'all have ever been in a place where you said, I had such great intentions, and I, I, I was going to do this, I was going to do this, and then all of a sudden you got to the point where the feet were to the fire and you didn't do it. Anybody been there? Am I the only one? And then we get mad and we say, okay, we make another commitment, right? Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to read through the Bible this year every day, and then like January 3rd comes along and you're like, well, what's happened already? And we we make all these ideas and commitments and we say we're going to do this, but yet my question is, does your faith line up with the actions in your life? I want to share just a a funny story, and I did ask for permission today to do this. We were at camp this past summer, and uh, by the way, when we were at camp, every student came back and said that they heard the voice of God speak to them this summer. Every student came back and said, we heard the voice of God literally speak to us this summer. And students, I look at you that that, that shared that with me, and I ask you, are you following in obedience to what he called you to this summer? Congregation, I look at you. Are you following what the Spirit is telling you to do even today? This summer we were at camp. Actually, this was our mission trip in Branson, Missouri. And we had one of our leaders who uh, decided that he believed and had faith that he could jump off of a 30-foot tower, 20-foot tower, off of a 20-foot tower into the cold water of Tannikonimo Lake. Now, if you are afraid of heights, 20 feet is pretty high up there. And as you climb up, this tower is kind of wobbling back and forth just a little bit. Uh, It's not the most sturdiest thing, but yet it is safe, I promise. And his faith was that I could do this. But the problem is, is that when he got to the top, his actions didn't follow through with his understanding or his faith. So 10 minutes go by and we're like, 10, 9, you know, encouragement. Everybody's doing it, right? We're telling him all these things, trying to get him to jump. And after a few hours, um, (laughs) his actions caught up to his faith and he jumped But he did say he never wanted to do it again. Now that's a funny story, but ultimately, though he thought he had faith that he could do it, his actions didn't portray it, did it? Until later, after a long time of working through that. 
So let's get going today. Do your faith portray your actions? And I want to start with this. I believe that you cannot truly have faith in the living God unless you are intimately in relationship with Him. Unless you have an intimate relationship with the living God, I believe that it is hard for you to truly have faith in Him. Why is that? Every student in this room that's a part of our youth ministry, that's been in our ministry more than probably a month, I know personally. I can tell you a lot about that person. Why? Because I've gotten to know them. I know what areas to trust them. Leaders the same way. I, I, I know them personally, but there's some of you in here that because our church is so large, I don't know that well, right? And if I don't know you that well, let me ask you this. Would I trust somebody I don't know that well with my five-month-old daughter? I probably wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. And neither would any of you. So how can you have faith if you don't intimately know your Abba, your Daddy? Let's talk for a minute on this. Our Father God, also known as Abba, also known as Daddy, He loves every one of you unconditionally. You are His children. And He wants you to know Him just like He knows you. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And you say, David, how do you have an intimate relationship with God? Well, obviously, the, the, the idea, and most of us will say, prayer and study, right? Prayer and study. Well, here's the thing. Prayer and study is absolutely right. But let me ask you this. John 1.1 1, 1 says that the Word of God is what? What? The Word was? Correct. The Word was with God, but the Word was God. So let me ask you this. Here's, where, here's, here's, a, here's a major pinnacle point in your life. Do you truly believe that this is God himself? Do you truly believe that the words in this book is truly the living God? Because if you do, then you'll have two, one of two understandings. If you don't, excuse me, then you will study the word because you feel as if... Let me, let me read this correctly. This is what the Spirit put on my heart. If you study the Word because you have to, you will see the Bible is nothing more than a historical book filled with some good but hard to follow principles. If you see the Word as God Himself, you will cherish every word as water to your soul, as a light unto your feet, and a lamp, or a lamp unto your feet, and a light unto your path. So let me ask you something. Do you truly believe that the Word of God is literally God Himself speaking to us, sharing with us, helping us understand His attributes? Do you really believe that as a church? So let me ask you this. How often do you get to know your dad? How often do you get to know your dad? Not out of legalism, not out of a have to. I tell students all the time, I hate the idea of 15 minutes a day. Why do I hate 15 minutes a day when they say, read it 15 minutes a day? I understand the, the practical side of it, and that's awesome and great. But the problem is, is that if you get in your mindset, read it 15, check a box, you have fallen into legalism, and you're getting nothing out of it. I would rather a student take one verse, dwell on it all day long, as truly the Word of God, than to go 15 minutes. And I would challenge you as the same. 
When you get into this, do you realize that it is the breath of the living God? Not only that, but the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, as Hebrew says, right? Do you believe that? Because if you do, you will cherish it and you will study it. See, the problem is, is that we want to try to figure out a way to make ourselves know God better. Instead of just simply believing that it's the word and dwelling in it and, and just being a diligent student of the word, we want to do all these things to make ourselves lift our spiritual life up somehow to get to closer to God. We might serve more, read more. We might, uh, let's see, go to church more, take better notes. If I could just listen more, if I could just serve a little more, if I could just do this, if I could just do that. But see, what God's saying is it's not about going and doing at this point. It's about your heart. And as your heart is madly in love with your God, and as you realize that it is the word of God, then everything will change. You will serve because you're intimately in love with God. You will read because you're intimately in love with God. You will go and do for the kingdom because you love the great I am, the King of Kings, your dad. Paul understood this in Philippians 3, 7 through 11. Just write that down. Many of you know the verse. I count it all as loss for the surpassing value of what? Knowing God. Knowing God. Intimacy with Christ looks like this. As I study the word of God, I begin to write down some of his attributes. Now, I can't go into all of them today, Why? Because if I go into all the attributes of God today, we're going to be here for a really long time, right? So let's just go through just a few that I've got. First off, God is is our Abba, our Daddy, Romans 8, 15. He is true, Titus 1, verse 2. It says, God cannot lie. God is love, 1 John 4, 8. He is grace, or or His grace. He has grace with Him, or grace through Him. He is grace, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He is just, 2 Thessalonians 1, 16. He is faithful, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. He is all-powerful, Matthew 19, 26. He is sovereign. Oh, too fast? All right, let's go back. I get excited, I'm sorry. He's our Abba, Romans 8.15. He is true, Titus 1, verse 2. He is love, 1 John 4.8. Not only love, but what? Agape love, right? Unconditional. He is grace, 2 Corinthians 12.9. He is just, 2 Thessalonians 1.6. Y'all with me? He is faithful, 1 Corinthians 1, nine. He is all-powerful, Matthew 19.26. He is sovereign. Circle that one. He is sovereign. Oh, I'm still fast, sorry. I'm slowing down. He is sovereign, Ephesians 4.6. He is holy. Revelations 4.8. These are attributes of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God is truth? You can answer by saying, Amen. Amen. Do you believe that God is love? Do you believe that God is grace? Do you believe that He is just? Do you believe He's faithful? 
Do you believe he's powerful? All powerful. Do you believe he's sovereign and holy? Now here's the question. Just because you say you believe it, do you truly believe it? As you intimately know your dad, and as you study the word of God, I'm going to challenge you that as you study the word of God from here on out, that you will create a list in the back of your Bible and it will be attributes of God. And every time you find an attribute of the living God that you will write it down. Some of you in here probably do that. But I want you to start writing down a list, attributes of the living God, of your God, of your dad, so that you may know him. Do you believe that these attributes are true? All of you said, or most of you said, amen to that. If so, then you have faith that God is who he says he is. Romans ten seventeen says this, Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So intimacy in Christ and knowing your dad, falling in love with the great I am and believing that he truly is who he says he is will produce faith in your life that he is who he says he is. So if you are at the point where you say, man, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but I really don't know much about him, you need to, with all your heart, because you want to know him, dive into the word of God. And I'm talking hours upon hours upon hours not out of legalism, but out of wanting to know your dad. But as you get to know him, and as you have intimacy with Christ, and you really believe that he is who he says he is, then faith will come. Let's look at the two sides of faith. I I believe this is a great example of two sides of faith. We're going to go all the way back to the book of Numbers, and I do want you to turn to Numbers 13. I'll give you all a second to get there. Numbers 13, verse 27. And this is the story of the 12 spies. They get to the promised land or outside the promised land and they say, okay, we're going to send 12 spies in. They're going to go look at the promised land. They're going to come back, tell us what they see. And at that point, we'll make decisions on what we're going to do. So they send out the 12 spies. Numbers 13, 27 through 28. This is the response of the 10 spies. It says, thus they told them and said, we went into the land where you sent us, and it is clear, it is certainly does flow with milk and honey, and, and this is its fruit. They had brought back a cluster of grapes, right? That was big enough for two people to hold. Can you all imagine? Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large, and moreover, they saw the descendants of Anak there. Let's now flip over to 14, verse 7, and let's see what Caleb and Joshua say. And they spoke to the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we possess through the, uh, that we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. Check this out in verse 8. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of this land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Who had faith in this situation? Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they knew God. 
Because they intimately knew the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They knew that he was faithful. What? They had just crossed through the Red Sea, right? It split in two. Can you imagine? The fire of God is on Mount Sinai as he gives them the commandments. Joshua and Caleb knew God intimately. And through that they had faith. And what happened to Joshua and Caleb? They eventually made it where? To the promised land. What happened to the ten spies? They died. Not only that, but what happened to the nation of Israel who became unfaithful at the point that the ten spies had told them, we need to be fearful of these people and not trust the living God. They died as well, right? Or at least up into a certain age, right? And so they wandered. So let me ask you this. Do you know God intimately? And if you do, are you going to have faith in him so that you may enter the promised land in your life? Or are you going to sit there and say, I wanna, I'd rather just wander in the desert and be fearful and worry about what's on the other side? See, you have to trust the living God to be able to do that. The only way to trust him is to know him. The only way to know him is to, to take the word of God, which is God, and, and dwell in it and get to know his attributes and who he is so that you may trust him with all your heart. Now, let's go to the last part. Intimacy in Christ leads to faith. Faith in Christ leads to, you might want to guess. I'm used to Wednesday night service, so kids can kind of respond. There's few of them that in here. Faith in Christ leads to what? I heard it. Action. Faith in Christ leads to action. Now, here's a test right here. If there is no action in your life, look at me right now, this is important. And you say, David, don't be legalistic. Trust me here. I've been on the side of legalism. I know what that area is. If there is no action in your life, then I believe the intimacy in Christ is lacking in your life. Because intimacy in Christ leads to faith, faith leads to action. It says in the book of James, and it's James chapter 2, let me give you the whole thing, or James 3, 14 through 26, go home and read this. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead faith. Now here's the thing, I believe that action is obedience. Action is obedience in Christ. See, we want to over-spiritualize this and say, God, are you calling me to Africa? God, are you, are you, I mean, I over-spiritualize it sometimes and God's telling me to do something and I'm not doing it because I'm sitting there second-guessing what he's telling me to do. Just the other day, I had to get on my face and repent because I was standing at a gas station and the Spirit of God told me to go fill somebody's car up and I was like, oh, is that really God? I didn't do it. Immediately called the guy who mentors me in my life and just quickly fell on my face and just prayed because I was broken over my disobedience. But sometimes we want to over-spiritualize it and look for the big major things. Okay, God, are you telling me to go on the mission trip? Are you telling me to go to summer camp? Are you telling me to do this? What are you telling me to do, God? I can tell you what he's telling you to do right now. First and foremost, he's telling you to be obedient to the word of God. First and foremost, he's telling you to be obedient to the word of God. There's no questioning that. If the word of God is true, 
if the Word of God is God Himself speaking to us and sharing with us, then He is telling you to be truthful, to be action, to give action, to give obedience to the things and the principles that He has set forth in the Word of God. Why would He write it if not? So let's take a moment and look at what we should be obedient in. And this is going to be tough. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says we should be obedient to make disciples. If you intimately know your God and you have faith in Him, then you will know that your job is to go forth and share the gospel to the nations. And if you fear what other people are going to say or do or think of you, then you are allowing self to creep in instead of trusting the living God. If you're worried about what the reaction of a human is over the reaction of our God, then you don't know Him intimately. It says in Scripture, fear God, not man. He's calling you to go make disciples. And I would be embarrassed to ask and I'm not trying, this is not, uh, this is, the Holy Spirit is leading me right now. It has nothing to do with me coming against anybody. But my question would be, in, in your heart, how many of you have even shared the gospel with somebody this year? Amen. And y'all don't have to raise your hands. But I don't, I don't want people to feel embarrassed. But God's calling us to make disciples, to share the gospel with others. People are dying and going to hell. If you truly believe in the word of God, if you truly believe that he is who he says he is, he talks about eternal life. And we have the understanding of it, and that's Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So therefore, go therefore and make disciples. Take the gospel to the nations, starting right here in Mobile, the people that you work with, the people that you see. And listen, the Spirit might tell you not to say a word, but your actions and your lifestyle at that moment should be representing the King of kings and the lord of lords and that's not a way that's not an out i don't want you to say okay god you might be telling me not to speak to them because he's telling us to go make disciples he's telling us to go share the gospel he's telling us to teach the truth of the gospel not only that he's telling us that he's, he's our obedience should be to teach the truth of the gospel the scripture says not only that that we need to make sure that we know the word enough that we can share it with people it says in matthew six twelve. If you're going to be obedient to the word, you better forgive. Hmm. Do you know God intimately enough that you don't let self creep in when you're offended? And you say, I'm going to honor the living God more than I'm going to honor myself? Are you willing to forgive somebody when they've wronged you? Because it says in Scripture, why would God forgive you if you can't even forgive others? The parable of the, the guy who was uh, released from all of his debts, and then he, one person owed him just a little bit, and he went to him and said, you pay it, and he sent him away, right? And because of his action, what happened? You know the story. Next obedience and principle is do not worry or fear, Matthew six twenty five through 27. Listen, I'm going to be straightforward with you. If you're fearful all the time, then you are not trusting the living God. And if that's the case, then you don't know that he is, you're not believing that he is truly sovereign. When I was healed from myasthenia gravis, I struggled with what if, what if, what if. And I sat down with Tom, which Tom's right over here, by the way. Tom Way, you're going to kill me for doing that, but he's right there, Tom Casalero. I sat down with Tom and I said, Tom, what if it comes back? What is everybody going to think of me? 
And he says, why does it matter? Why are you so wrapped up in you? I was so fearful because I was worried about what others would think, and the root of it was people-pleasing. You know, if, if myasthenia comes back tomorrow, is God sovereign? If myasthenia doesn't come back tomorrow, is God sovereign? Then why do we worry and fear? Because God is sovereign. It's a lack of trust on our part, which is a lack of knowing Him intimately. Because when we know Him, we know He's sovereign, and therefore we don't worry and fear because we know that He's going to take care of us. One more example of that. I was driving down the road. I believe that God's in, a, in His Scripture has commanded us to obey the laws of the land. Some of y'all are going to argue with me. That's fine. I, I'll just, you know, that's okay. But I believe that we're supposed to obey the, the speed limit. I just believe that. I'm sorry. Um, some of y'all are looking at me funny, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. I believe that we're supposed to obey the laws of the land. Supposed to, that we're supposed to not speed because that's what the speed limit says, the law of the land, right? The other day I was driving down Sally Road. It's 40 miles an hour. Everybody goes 60. I was doing 40. I had at least 12 cars behind me. The one directly behind me is sitting there like... That's a good one for the camera, right? I have no idea what she was saying. I don't want to know what she was saying. I shouldn't have said to even she. I don't know what that person was saying. And immediately I hit the gas pedal and got up to 45 miles an hour. And God said, what are you doing? I said, but God, people get shot for, for not going fast enough. And God immediately looked at me or said to me, well, you're going to obey me in this area, but you're not going to trust me in being sovereign to protect you? Immediately I said, God, I love you. I hit my brakes. She almost hit me in the back. <laughs> and I finally got off the road and let them all go past. But see, it was my trust. I, I was fearful of what, the, what would happen from my action. Matthew 5, 5. Put others before yourself. Can you honestly put others before yourself? We call it the I'm third lifestyle in youth ministry. God, others, self. God, others, self. The I'm third lifestyle. God has called you to trust that He is sovereign and therefore put others even before yourself. I'm going to try to hurry up because I know that time's getting close. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. How many of y'all pray without ceasing? God has called us to do it, and if we trust Him and believe in Him, and we know that He has directed our path, then we need to follow and be in obedience to what He's called us to do. Not only that, but praying without ceasing is huge in my life. The young adults we talked about the other day, that so often we say we're going to do something, five seconds later we've already forgot about it. You know why? Because we have to go moment by moment by moment, second by second by second, trusting the King of kings and Lord of lords. If we let our minds off of God at any moment, guess what's going to happen? Self is going to come right back in. And so therefore, praying without ceasing is what God has given me, an obedience, a call, a principle, so that I will keep my mind on Him all the time. Another obedient, and like I said, I'm only going to give you a few, but do not conform to the world, Romans 12, 2. If you truly believe in God, if you truly are intimate with Him and you have faith, then you will not conform to this world. Why? Because you know His Word, and His Word tells you not to, and you're not going to do it. Matthew 12, 36, and Ephesians 4, 29, don't gossip. 
Listen, the root of gossip is self and people-pleasing. We want to lift ourselves up and tear someone else down so that, so that we look a little better. But God's tell us, God tells us that He is in control of all things and that if we are madly in love with Him, then trust Him to guide and protect our steps every day and quit trying to do it on our own. James 1.27, take care of the widows and the orphans. James 1.27, take care of the widows and the orphans. Students, you're not going to like this one. Ephesians 6.2, honor your father and your mother. As you know God, you know His heart, and because of that, you honor your father and mother no matter what they ask. Philippians 4, 6-9, rejoice always in the Lord. There's also commands and principles that aren't hard because God's telling us to rejoice. James tells us to rejoice in trials and tribulations. Rejoice. Why? Because we know the heart of the Father and the heart of the Father is for us. Greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. We need to quit living in view of the lies of sin and start living in view of the heart of our God. This morning I was sitting there and I was, uh, the last one is Luke 9, 23, empty yourself which there's tons of them. I just don't have time to go into all of them. This morning, as I was sitting there ironing my shirt, can you believe it? I ironed it. I still can't believe it. As I was ironing my shirt this morning, the Holy Spirit just just came all over me and said, go into your office and write this down. So I'm going to read to you exactly what he showed me. Obedience is hard because of ourself, but ultimately it is a decision on who you know more. The heart of God or the lies of Satan? Who do you know more? The heart of God or the lies of Satan? See, the lies of Satan tells you that for you to do anything in life, you have to do it yourself. You have to work hard. You have to cut other people out. You've got to do all this. It goes against every principle that I just shared with you. But when you know the heart of God and you fall madly in love with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and He is truly your Abba and your Daddy, it will produce action in your life. Not because you have to, but because you love Him and because you want to. See, legalism is doing something out of have to. But out of love comes a want to and a desire to walk in obedience with your God. So my question today as we kind of wrap things up here, are you walking in obedience to the living God. Now, I told you earlier that I wanted you to go home and start reading the Scripture and start writing down attributes of God. But I also want you to go home and start, as you study Scripture, to start writing down principles of the living God. Because, see, as you believe in the attributes of God, your life should be living in obedience to the principles of God. And like I said, not out of a have to. I don't have to anymore. It says in Scripture that because the blood of the Christ is upon me, I'm in freedom, right? But see, I love my dad so much. And I love Jesus and the Holy Spirit so much that I want every second of my day to glorify His name. You know what I've learned in the past year? is that as I do this, I speak a whole lot less. I just, I talk a whole lot less. As I do this, I find myself on my face a whole lot more. 
See, God has called us in that very last one, the very last principle that I said was Luke 9, 23, to empty yourself. God has called us to empty ourselves, And the reason is, is for our good. It's not for our bad. It's not that the world tells us you're missing out on life. When you empty yourself, guess who fills it? The Holy Spirit, God himself. I have seen more power in my life in the last year and a half, and it has nothing to do except for the fact the one central thing in my life in the past year and a half that I have seen power is because I have gotten on my face and said, God, take every bit of me. I cry out, Psalms 139, search me and know me, O Lord. If there's any place that I am not being obedient to your word, show it to me. I'm cutting the grass one day, and I remember I was cutting, and I was just going, just having a good old time cutting the grass, and the Lord said, David, you're not being obedient in this certain area, and I literally quit cutting the grass, fell on my face, bawling out, crying out to the Lord, and said, God, I don't want to be in this area anymore. I want to walk in obedience, because in obedience is joy, and in obedience is peace, and in obedience, all the fruits of the Spirit are flowing beyond measure. You want to see a church, and I really believe that God has given me, the Holy Spirit has placed this on my heart to teach this today, because this is taking us to this next level. It's saying, are you willing to say that God is truly the King of kings and Lord of lords, and if you are, you should walk in obedience because you have faith and you believe in him. Not over-spiritualize and justify our lack of action, but simply say, I want to know the king. I want to know him. As we leave in just a few minutes, or just a little bit, I hope and pray that you have a burden on your heart, a yearning to go know your dad. Intimacy in Christ leads to faith. Faith leads to action and obedience. And as I share this last point, we're going to go into a time of invitation. And listen, here's what I want to do today. I really believe the Spirit of God is just telling me this. This is an altar, and some of us are hurting because in the past year or two, we haven't gotten to know our God. Some of us are broken because we realize that we've listened to the lies of Satan more than the heart of God. Some of us are are struggling because we want to make up for lost time. Listen, don't worry about the past. Go forward in the future and let the Spirit of God flow in you and through you. Faith, intimacy in Christ leads to faith. Faith leads to action. So my question to you right now, Is there obedience in your life? If there is, praise God and just continue to to seek the king. If not, let's go back and get to know our God. Because as he changes our heart, and as he reveals himself to us, we're going to see Luke 4.18 explode. And I'm not talking about in numbers. I could care less about numbers. We're going to see the Spirit of God fall down in this place like we've never seen before. And let me tell you something. This church right here, I have seen, it is an honor and a joy and a privilege to sit here as a youth and young adult pastor under the teaching of Brother Fred and Dr. Joe. It is an honor and a joy. I couldn't ask for a better situation, a better place, a better opportunity. But as we intimately know our God, this place will explode explode.